Oh, come on, let's praise him. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. On this Wednesday night, let's clap our hands, let's shout, let's dance. But whatever we got to do, let's give God praise. God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord in, on this Wednesday night and to be with God's people. Amen. If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord, why don't you just turn to the person next to you, shake their hand, just to greet them. I know we've done it already, but I think it's important that we get around and fellowship once in a while. And Amen. Say hello. Tell them they look nice tonight. Say something kind to them in Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Brother Christian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How many is excited to be in church here tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, I am excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen, and to, and to be able to experience the presence of God. Um, thank you to um, Sister Machado for making some food for us on Sunday. And then uh, again tonight, hallelujah. We want to make sure that we take time afterwards and and fellowship one with another and nothing like food that brings people together and so if you have some time i know some have worked all day and you got to get up early tomorrow that's all right uh, but we definitely want to give you the opportunity uh, to gather again how many enjoyed the service that we had on sunday amen it is evident that god is up to something and that god is working and I do not believe it's by accident. I believe it's all intentional. And uh, God has a certain and very particular way of doing some things. And, uh, and again, Brother Prado ministered to us on many different levels. He hit, as he said best, a well-rounded message. He hit every single one of us and in a certain way and spoke to us as a church. And uh, he, he doesn't even know how, how in tune he was. And I'm glad, as he said, he had to go and have a little funeral in the office so he could obey God. And I'm glad he did because he's right in line with what uh, we talked about in leadership class on Monday and a little bit of what we're going to be talking about here tonight. What I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you go ahead and be seated, but keep your Bibles with you. Keep your Bibles with you. We're going to be turning open to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse number one. If you got it, say amen. All right. Praise God. If not, there's a digital version right there on the on the wall. Hallelujah. And this one is going to be in the King James Version. Then I'm going to read it again in the ESV. But we're going to be reading a little bit. That's why I'm going to let you sit down because you've been standing worshiping God all night. Verse one. Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them unto you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man, all the men said amen. Every man praying or prophesying with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman, all the women say amen. Every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For it is even all as if she were shaven bald. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for the woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. He's putting forth the difference. Men are to remain uncovered and women are to remain covered. We're going to be talking about that tonight. Verse 7, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. He's going back to creation, how the woman was taken out of the rib of Adam. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman was created for 
the man. For this cause, because she was created for the man, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman. Now, gentlemen, lest we get too puffed up. Neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of God. Everything in order is what he's saying. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely or proper that a woman should pray unto God uncovered? Does not nature, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair was given to her for a covering. But if any man or woman or individual has any contention or wants to argue, just let them know we don't have a custom of arguing in any of the churches of God. And everybody said amen. All right, now we're going to read an ESV. I, I don't think everybody will have it. I don't, were, you, were you able to get it up there? All right, awesome. Let's go to verse number one. This is going to help some folks that don't know Shakespeare in English. Um, we're going to go through this a little bit, and then I'm going to be talking and teaching about it. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head was shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short, or in the literal translation, cut it all off. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but the woman from the man. Neither was man created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. That is why a woman or a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of the man, nor the man of the woman. For as a woman was made from the man, so man is now born of a woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife or a woman to pray to God with her hair uncovered? This is a rhetorical question. He's already defined it out. Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is disgraceful for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair was given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. And everybody said amen. All right, we've read the scripture two times. You can go home. Amen? No. I want to I draw my, my title here today, and I want to teach to us on this subject. A symbol of authority. A symbol of authority. Turn, turn to your neighbor and tell him that. A symbol of of authority. This text here today defines out what Brother Prado was actually talking to us about on Sunday. It is giving us biblical hierarchy. Now, my normal terminology is order, but since we have become introduced to uh, this, this natural law of hierarchy, I figure we use that here tonight. God's order, God's hierarchy, and he lists it out in verse number three, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. What is that saying? Again, as we being oneness apostolics, we know there's no difference between God and Christ. God was in Christ, amen, reconciling the world unto himself. I and my Father are one, amen. 
What it's really showing is it's showing there is a biblical hierarchy of authority. It starts primarily with God. Before anything else, we've got to make sure that he is, number one, that he is the ultimate authority and the ultimate headship of every single one of our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Kingdom, king's domain. In that domain, there's a king. There's one, the Bible says in Revelations, that sits upon the throne. And his name is Jesus. Jesus sits on the throne. And so at the very top of everything, when we talk about authority, it goes right back to God. God is the ultimate headship and the ultimate authority. Then when it says Christ, what is it talking about? Again, it's not differentiating as if there's two. What it's really saying is Christ, the body of Christ, his church, his body, his bride, his children. Amen. The church as a whole, as a collective, amen, in the authority structure, this is how God presented it to be. And then you move down the line, and it is man, man, man being in a position of authority. And then it moves to the woman, and from the woman it is children. Again, I'm so thankful for the way that Brother Prado presented it to us because uh, it's going to make my job a lot easier because that is an ideology and a reality that our world does not like because we, we have a world that, that screams things like, you can't tell me what to do. And nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. And nobody's going to have authority over me. And, and, uh, and, and you've also got this idea of, of feminism. And I don't think the original concept of feminism was wrong. But I will tell you that new wave feminism is definitely wrong. Uh, for a, uh, let me just define that out for somebody. Uh, for 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 them to for women to march in previous times for voting rights, I don't think that's wrong. I think that was excellent. That was called progress, um, and it was the idea that they they did not want to be downtrodden and seen as less than human. Again, they were just going back to biblical principles. The woman was not taken from Adam's heel. The woman was taken from his rib. This is this is a partnership. Amen. This is not a man here, woman here, as if. We're talking about one being better or one being worse. Amen. So I think that's good. But new wave feminism is a little different. It's now not seeking for equal rights. It's, it's trying to say uh, that not only do we not, uh, not only do, do we, are we equal with men, we're actually wanting to be better than men. And also, we don't need men. Amen. This is why our current society is effeminizing men. Because there's this idea that your, uh, your testosterone is a problem. Your aggressive nature is a problem. So we need to tone it down. But uh, that is not of God. A, everybody has a place in the hierarchy of life. Amen. And when it's fulfilled properly, we end up shoring up one another's weaknesses. And I've preached it here before, uh, but there's this ideology that... Uh, that Women are now wanting to be men, and this is what's happening with the transgender movement. But if you think about how wild it is, uh, it's now allowing men who are biologically men that are claiming to be women to jump into women's sports. It's not fair. And they're winning gold medals, and they're getting on the front of magazines, and it's absolute chaos. And if I was a feminist uh, in this modern generation, I'd be against transgenderism because it's undoing, amen, what they, are, what they state they're for. Furthermore, uh, in modern new wave feminism, they're going to propagate uh, things like Islam, which are ultimately against women. Okay, that's, that's for free. Um, but it's, it's, in other words, it's insanity. But when things are in their proper place, we see that we shore up one another's weaknesses. Because a woman does not have to be equal with a man in the sense of uh, strengths and abilities because a woman can do that which a man cannot. And all the women said, amen. You can form a child, birth a child, feed a child, raise a child. You have instincts. In fact, I put it this way. If you look at the Genesis account, the Bible says that God made the woman of a rib. She came a little more developed. <laughs> but what does the Bible say God made man out of? Dirt, dust, and particles. So there's some benefits to being a woman that 
you, you know, you have to teach a man somehow to be a little more nurturing because it's just not there. It's, it's, in, it's, it's in the granules of our life, but it hasn't been formed yet. But, but it's almost innate in the nature of a woman to do certain things. And that's a gift and a quality, amen, that we need to, we need to honor, we need to respect and not take away from. This modern feminism is so busy trying to prove they can do what a man does that they've negated the fact that they can do what a man cannot. And so they've abdicated their area, amen, their lane, to try to step into another lane to prove they can do that too. Okay, I'm not talking about chauvinism. Please understand. I know some people, when the moment I start talking about this, they got some walls that jump up because they've heard people be chauvinistic. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hierarchy and order. Amen. Biblical order. The Bible says that the woman is of the man, that the woman was created for the man, to be a helpmeet for the man. And then this, this beautiful symbiosis works because now the man is born of a woman. And so, men, we can't get through life. We need a woman. Amen. Hallelujah. As the song says that it's a man's world, but it wouldn't be nothing without a woman or a girl. you got to have that. Amen. Paul checks the men and tells them that the man is not without the woman. Uh, we can't get it twisted. We need women. In other words, we need everybody, but we need everybody in their proper order and in their proper place. In creation, we are equal because it takes both man and woman. You can't have creation. You can't have life without one or the other. You can't eradicate men because then there would be no children. And you can't eradicate women because then there would be no children. The earth would not propagate. Amen. But when we're talking about power, authority, structure, and hierarchy, amen, and, and, and downright biblical order, God ordained that it would be the man that would be leading and then the woman. A world that loses this structure is a world that is spinning out of control, and it is a world that is out of order, and it is a world that is not living in the order God has created, but it is going off into chaos. And somebody said amen. We're living in that world right now. The reason that some people have an issue with accepting authority and accepting hierarchy in their lives and submitting to it is because somewhere along the lines they've been hurt by authority. And this is understandable. The moment you start talking about submission and authority, some people wince because they maybe have had authority overstep their bounds uh, maybe authority, father figure, mother figure wasn't there, wasn't present. Uh, so they're not used to how to handle authority. And then they come into church and uh, now there's an authority structure in the church and, and, and it's contrary to the way they've lived their life. Or uh, maybe it's the fact that authority was misrepresented. Uh, but that does not change the biblical ideal of needing authority, needing order, and needing hierarchy in the kingdom of God. And, and we're, we're going to talk about the symbol of authority, but before we ever get to the symbol of authority, we have to get the understanding there has to be authority. Amen. A home that doesn't have this structure is out of order. Um, men, our job's to lead. It's not the wife's job to lead. It's our job. And if man doesn't lead, a woman will. And they will, they will step in that role even though they, they may not be built to take that pressure, but they will, they will do it. And this is what causes stretch, uh, stretch marks in relationships and fractures because there's now uh, a taking on of both roles and, and now there's a, a disconnect and, and not everybody's getting the nutrients in the relationship that they need. And so as people of God, we've got to take verses like this that God has given to us and we've got to come back to our home, come back to the altar as a family and say, is there an area, God, where we are out of order? And, and maybe that's where the stress is coming from and maybe that's where the pressure in the marriage is coming from. It's not that there's something... Uh, necessarily intrinsically wrong with you or your spouse it's just maybe that you both have got your positions mixed up amen now with that being said that doesn't mean that there's not gifts on one person that aren't on the other one might be better with finances than the other I don't believe it has to be the man that takes care of the finances if you're better with money you do it 
But there's got to be a, 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 a absolute hierarchy, as Brother Prado said, a leadership where at the end of it all, whether this individual is right or wrong, we have made the decision. We are going to submit and we are going to trust that God's going to bless the act of submission. With that being said, ladies, that means submitting to your own husbands. What if you don't have a husband? You submit to your father. But if you don't have a father, well, then you submit to the pastor. Amen. You have to have a man in your life. Don't let this world lie to you that you don't need no man. If you're single and you got that idea, I don't need no man, you won't get no man. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> the Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing. I, last time I checked, you aren't a wife till you get married. But the biblical ideal is that you, you act like spirit of wife and a husband will find you. And young men, you got to act like a husband and you'll get a wife. Praise God. Can't, ask, can't act like player and expect to get a wife. It doesn't work like that. You have to have the attributes of husband and there will be a wife. I'll, pre I'll preach it. We're off on this having fun. Adam had to be formed before he got a wife. Adam had to have his stuff together before he got a wife. Adam had to have a job and a purpose and a walk with God before he ever got a wife. Praise God. And when he was ready, she came forth. Amen. That's how this works. But when we talk about this, this idea of authority, amen, with, when we have because I, I want to define this out before we get to the symbol of authority that we're going to right now. There are people that would try to show forth a symbol of authority, but on the inward, they don't really have it. They're not submitted to their, their father. They're not submitted to their husband. They're not submitted to their, uh, to their, to their pastor. Uh, and, and with men, same thing. It goes down the line. They're not, they're not submitted to God. They're not submitted to God's word. They're not submitted to the pastor. It goes all the way down this line. Amen. And when we, and we can portray and come to church, and the Bible would call us hypocrites, which hypocrite's not somebody uh, that sa just necessarily says one thing and does another. Hypocrite actually means actor. They act the part. Okay? So in order to have the symbol of authority where it gives us true apostolic power, we must first have the internal ideal of authority where we understand it's Jesus, number one, his kingdom, his church, amen, the man, the woman, and the children. And when we get that in order, guess what happens? The blessings of God flow. Some people are wondering, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't believe that. But their life is chaotic. I dare you to try it. Find somebody in the authority structure that God listed out here that you can submit to in a world that doesn't want to submit, and you watch God put things in order and watch God bring blessings, and somebody said amen. Okay, now we're going to move on to the symbol of authority because, again, there's a reason Paul put that before he started talking about hair and coverings. In chapter 11, Paul is dealing with those outward forms of submission i.e., or example, the men being unveiled, uncovered by having their hair cut and trimmed, and the women being veiled or covered by their long, uncut hair. In this teaching, Paul takes into account that there may be some who would disagree with him or who may accuse him of attempting to make Corinth do something that is not a standard in the other churches. But to counteract this in verse 16, Paul explains to them, if anyone is, is disposed to be argumentative or contentious about what I've just spent the last 15 verses talking to you about, then we hold to and recognize no other custom in worship than what I just told you in the last 15 verses, nor do the other churches of God. In other words... Amen. We see a clear example that Paul's teachings on these subjects were not exclusive to Corinth, nor was it exclusive to that time, but he was consistent in his teaching with all of the churches, and his teachings had final authority. Amen. The Word of God has the final authority. I want to take the Word of God at face value. How about you? Amen. Paul is dealing with a man's hair being cut, shorn, 
and the woman's being the opposite, long, unshorn, uncut, or unshaven. This is as a natural sign of submission to their respective authority. Now we're understanding why he put it in the order that he did. To make the strongest case possible, Paul follows his usual pattern of appealing to every possible area to strengthen his doctrinal position. In this case, he appeals to at least five different things to establish his premise that men's submission to their headship is symbolized by cut hair and a woman's is by long uncut hair. He appeals to the divine authority in verse number three. That's one. He then appeals to creation in verses seven through nine. That's two. He appeals to the natural order in verses 15 through 14 and 15. He appeals to their very own customs in verse six. And then he appeals to the example of the other churches in verse 16. Paul is doing a lawyer's job of proving his point. Carefully and methodically, Paul brings each of these witnesses to the stand to testify that his teachings regarding submission and, his, and its outward symbol is, in fact, correct. Paul's first concern seemed to be that they would understand that they already established the practice of women being veiled and men unveiled. And what he wanted to do is, is not to detract from that. The Corinthian church already had that going with, a, with a, a, an outward veil. It wasn't a natural veil. It was a cloth veil. But he wanted to start by letting them know that that concept is not incorrect. But it is actually a correct principle. Its significance was validated by the fact that it was anchored in the very nature of creation and should thus be continued. He's not taking away from it, but he is going to redefine it for them. Amen. It, as, and I think it's interesting because it's really uh, westernized societies and only in the last little while uh, that veils on a, a, a cloth basis uh, over women are not happening anymore. Uh, but you travel to any other part of the world and you'll see that this is a, a natural order. Uh, this happens. But Paul is going to redefine it that it is not a man-made creation that should be the veil, but it should be a God-created creation that should be the veil. Amen. And Paul takes this new ground with a bold assertion that they were to understand that a woman's hair was given to her for a covering. We see that in verse 15. Before that, they use a cloth veil to cover her head or their, the woman's head. But now Paul is asserting that that is not necessary, not to say that a veil itself is not necessary. He is not undoing that. He is letting them know that a veil is in fact correct, but he is undoing the fact that it is a man-made veil. But he is now asserting that it is the long unshorn, unshaven, uncut hair of her head that outwardly signifies her submission to her headship, whether it be her husband, her father, but ultimately it goes back to her God. And everybody said amen. Let's talk about this from the man's perspective. The Bible declares that a man is not to have a covering on his head. A man is to cut his hair. Verse 4, the Bible lets us know that a man is not to cover his head because it dishonors his head, dishonors his headship. It dishonors Jesus. Amen. I, I can't stress this enough because it doesn't make sense to our Western society. But whether it makes sense to our Western society or not, I want to remind you that the Bible is not a Western society book. <laughs> and it is a book that is true to all nations, all peoples, all cultures, every generation, and it does not change whether we have a preference or we don't. Because if we're not careful, we will say, and, and trust me, there are churches across our world that would never in their wildest dreams open up 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That should concern us. And there are churches that would rip pages and things out of the Bible because it does not seemingly fit in a modern context. But very rarely will you find it ever being something in the Bible that you can now, you and I can now say no longer applies to us today. There are a few examples I'll give you. 
Example number one, Paul said in Romans, he said, for the present distress, abstain from marriage. But yet he tells in 1 Timothy that there will be false spirits and seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, devils of people coming by saying, abstain from marriage. So what is it? Is it a contradiction? Is he saying he's a devil? No, what he was saying is because of the present distress that we have in this current moment of persecution, we should hold off getting married for a moment because they are going through and they are murdering Christians. Stop the parties and the celebrations for the present distress. So does that apply to us today? No. But that is one of the few qualifiers that the Bible would ever give for us to say that doesn't apply to us. But nowhere in this does Paul say this doesn't apply to us today because Paul even goes back to creation. He goes back to the natural law. He goes back to the created law. And he is proving that this applies to every church. I love how Paul does it, man. He's so, he's brilliant. Amen. He says in verse 4, a man should not cover his head because it dishonors his head. It dishonors Jesus. And men, when we come to pray, I don't want to dishonor Jesus. Man, I want to I want to do this right now. Let me let me define this out. I am speaking as Pr Brother Prado preached. Uh, there are there are buds, there are blossoms and there are almonds. And there are people that haven't even got it started yet. I am not talking about visitors. Praise God. Or people that are on the journey. Again, everybody has to come in. I've, we have some men that come to church and they wear a hat. And, uh, and some would say, well, bless God, get it off of them. Well, you might, you might be shocked because that may not be the number one thing they're focused on right now. And, uh, and, and, and some men, that might embarrass them at the moment and, and detract them from getting a hold of God in that moment. Let's leave them be for now. Because eventually we can teach them these doctrines. But we've got to get the fish in the boat before God cleans the fish in the boat. And somebody said amen. And so, again, if you have a relationship with somebody and you want to, you know, admonish them as somebody who's bringing them to church, go for it. Uh, but, again, I, I want to continually put that as the culture of the church. We don't just blast people. Uh, we never do that. We never do that. Amen. We want to speak the truth in love, and we want to do it in the proper season. And uh, a, a word fitly spoken is what we need, uh, where we go to people and we don't offend uh, or run away the potential, what, what would potentially become an almond one day. Amen. But we want to see growth, and everybody said amen. Verse 7, a man ought not cover his head because his headship is Jesus. He is the image and the glory of of Jesus. This is the same terminology when it's talking about the sun, amen, has its glory and the moon has its glory. Amen. It's it's the moon is not have its own light, but it's a reflection of the light. And and it, it, what it's saying is is in this that the man is nothing more than a reflection of Jesus. And as a sign of submission, the man is not to cover his head. Amen. A man is to have short hair. Amen. And, and again, short can be relative, but this is how we teach it here. Off your ears and off your collar. And everybody said amen. All the men. Let's talk about some biblical examples. Anybody heard the name Absalom? Okay. Absalom is one of the few defining factors of him is he let his hair grow long. But you know what one of the attributes of Absalom was? He wasn't submitted to nobody. And we're talking about symbols of authority, not just symbols of, of authority we have, but symbols of being under authority. And you mark it down that, that when, when people are not submitted, people are not under authority, they're going to do this. Men are going to grow their hair long, and women are going to butch theirs off. It happens. You watch it. Nature itself teaches. Absalom, what happened to him? He was going to get a haircut one way or another. <laughs> That's for free. He lost his head. He got caught up. There's some things we can't let go to our head. And again, it was not just the outward symbol that was the problem. It, it, it was the inward that manifested its way to the outward. He was revealing what was on the inside. 
And Paul is taking this principle, and, and, and for some of us, man, growing our hair out is no longer, again, according to nature, it's not a problem. <laughs> he, the Bible says Jesus has every hair on our head numbered. Some of us is a little easier than others. Um, praise God. But, but we, we've got to make sure that we represent the biblical model that a man should not have his head covered. Amen. That if a man has long hair, he dishonors. All the men said amen. Okay, let's continue on because I do want to take, uh, take some time. We're at 33 minutes and 39 seconds. I, I know some people got to go, but I want to I hopefully define this uh, for somebody. So if a man is to not have a covering, Paul then defines out that a woman is to have a covering. In the King James, verse 5, the Bible says, Every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for it is as if she was shaven bald. If, they, if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. If it be a shame for a woman to be shaven or shorn, then just get covered. Okay, let's define this out. Verse 5, woman, a woman is to that uncovers her head, dishonors her head, and it might, she might as well be bald is what Paul is saying. He's lining this up, and he's getting ready to checkmate everybody. Amen. Paul defines it as cut or shaven. Amen. Verse 6, if the woman uncovers her head, she might as well just cut it off. But if that's a shame, or as the, as the ESV says, since that's a shame... Again, as, as we've talked about in other Bible studies, we should have a strong aversion to anything the Bible says brings shame or dishonor. We should have a very strong aversion to anything that brings shame or dishonor. And he says, since that's shameful, he's using their own, their own culture. He's using things that they would already know. Amen. And he's saying, listen to how this sounds. It's as if she were bald. How would that go if all the women were bald? They'd all be ashamed, right? And what would you do, women, if you were bald? Yes, you would. And he's saying, so cover it without having to be bald. That's exactly what he's saying. When you get saved, though, I want to I talk about this for a moment. You don't need an extra covering. There's a lot of women here that came to church and and their, their custom in the Western culture is cutting their hair and all that. They've not learned this yet. And again, if somebody's in the process, they're just budding, they're just blossoming. This is a revelation. We've got to get the revelation, and we don't push people to get this revelation. Um, but, but I want you to know, when you get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, God sees you in that moment as redeemed. God sees you in that moment as sanctified. God sees you in that moment as justified because of what he did for you on Calvary. So it does not matter what you did up until that point. Amen. Because God's got you covered. But, but the principle would still be true. From the moment you get the revelation that I'm talking about here today, don't uncover it now. Well, preacher, I've cut my hair before. Okay. It's fine. Repent and don't do it. Cover it up. Okay, let's continue on. Verse 13, he asks a rhetorical question. Judge for yourselves. Again, he's, he's appealing to these five different areas. Is it proper or is it comely or is it acceptable even in culture for a woman to pray with her head uncovered? And this was a rhetorical question. He knew what their answer would be. No. Now, in our culture, it might be different. But he's appealing to their culture, and it would still be true for us today. The answer would be no. That would not be proper. And then in verse 14, he continues on, and he appeals to nature. Does not nature itself teach you? He goes back to natural laws. Nature is, in fact, the first portal of revelation. We see this in Romans chapter 1, that nature itself teaches us and proclaims to us that even those that say they didn't, they didn't know God or they didn't believe in God, the Bible says so that even nature itself teaches them and proclaims that there is a God so that they are without excuse. 
Amen. Nature has its own laws. Amen. As Brother Proud talked about hierarchy, it's a natural law. Amen. There's other natural laws. Gravity is a natural law. You cannot escape it. Amen. And, and when we think about this, amen, when people look up at the big old mountains that are a, a million times bigger than them, it is declaring to them that there is a God. When they look at the sun and the earth that revolves, amen, around that massive ball of gas that is not extinguishing. Amen. It is to define to them not that the sun is God like the Egyptians would believe, but it is to define out to them and give them a revelation. Amen. That there is something bigger than them. There is in fact a God. And Paul is using the same natural law to teach man and woman. Amen. That nature itself teaches you that if a man has long hair, that is shameful. And if a woman has short hair, that is shameful. And he goes back to these natural laws and he begins to proclaim these words to us. Amen. And then he tells them that because of this natural law, because even nature declares it, if a woman has long hair, if short hair and cut hair and and, and, and shorter bald, if you will, would be naturally, uh, and I know that that happens to some women, but it's unnatural. It's something else. Amen. Because by nature, women have long hair. It grows. Amen. Men are the ones that naturally go bald. Amen. Nature itself is declaring certain laws to us. Amen. And, and, and the Bible is declaring that if a woman has long hair, it's a glory for her. We see this even in other species, that they appear differently. Distinction of genders. There's a reason I'm talking about this here tonight. Not only because we are going to do what Paul said in verse number two and hold to the ordinances and traditions. Not only are we going to hold to the doctrines, but we are living in a world that is pushing for everybody to be unisex. They want the clothing to be unisex. They want the kids to choose their gender or make one up. You, I, I had somebody come to my office and tell me that they wanted to start being called Poseidon. And I said, whatever your friends want to call you, that's fine. But you are this gender. Praise God. We are living in a world right now that is confused. And what happens if a confused world that is out of order and chaotic comes into the church and we are just as chaotic? What hope do they have? There is no hope at that point. If the church doesn't stand their ground on the biblical doctrine and on natural laws, again, I, 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 for, for many years this might have seemed arbitrary of, of, of uncut hair uh, but, and, and, and women dressing like women and men dressing like men. But today it's not arbitrary. Today we're actually having to define out you are in fact a man, gentlemen, and ladies, you are in fact a lady. And there should be symbols that show forth what God has created you and I to be. Somebody said, don't judge a book by a cover. Then why is there a cover on the book? The only way you know a book until you read it is by looking at the cover. And when people come to church, yes, we will have buds. Yes, we will have blossoms. But praise God, we ought to have some almonds as well. And people that when they look at somebody who's been living for God for a while, they can say, that's what a man looks like. That's what a woman looks like. And, and, and there's something about that, that they come from a home that's broken where the father wasn't there and didn't show them what a man was. And they see a man in the church, and they say, that's how a man looks. That's how a man dresses. That's how a man worships. And some ladies that their mom was absent, and they didn't have that figure in their life, and they can come in and say, that's how a lady worships. That's how a lady dresses. That's how I should look. Not how Hollywood says it. Not how the world says it, but the church is exemplifying what the world to come should look like. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. 
pray for a moment. Let's pray for a moment. Because we're going beyond just this Bible study. We're talking about a world that is losing their mind. They don't know what gender they are. Amen. They want everything to be unisex. And there's no distinction between genders. And, and, and now, amen, people are out of order. And their families are chaotic. And, and what was once a man is now the wife. And everything's going crazy. But the church has got to be in order. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Mm, I know this sounds ant, ant, might sound antiquated to some folks and archaic, but I want to tell you this is more relevant, amen, in our generation than it ever was before. This doctrine is more relevant today than it ever has been because we're now living and facing, amen, the demons of this present evil world, and we've got to shine the light bright. I had to pray, and I had to do some funeral of my own because I'm a person that loves I, I love to win people to God. I really do. I love to win people to God. I love to work with people. But I also am very, very, very conscientious not to offend people. And I understand this is a personal deal, and it might be a flaw that I have. I really don't like people not liking me. <laughs> Praise God. I already got that. That already happens. But I, I really don't like people that don't like me. But I'd rather you not like me. And know what you are. And know who you are. And I had to wrestle my flesh down today and say I've got to proclaim it because it's not just the people that are there today, but there's people that are coming after today. And they're going to come years until Jesus shows up. And they're going to have to come into the right atmosphere of order and not chaos. Somebody said amen. I didn't come to preach, but I feel it. I want, to, I want to define this because some people might, because the verses are split up. Let's put it together. Paul teaches that a woman must have a covering. Verse 5. If she refuses a covering, she might as well cut her hair off. Verse 5 through 6. But Paul deduces to not have a covering is as shameful as being bald. Verse 5. And that it's a shame for her to cut her hair or to be bald. Verse 6. So he commands that she has a covering or a veil. He even asks a rhetorical question of the church. Is it proper for a woman to be uncovered? That's verse 13. The obvious answer in light of what Paul had said is no. It's not proper. It's not right. It's not correct. It's not doctrinal. So we have determined that a woman must have a covering and a veil according to the scriptures. Does that mean she must wear a man-made piece of cloth? No, because verse 15 says that her hair was given by God to be her natural covering. Amen. Let me say that again. Her hair was given by who? Not by man. By who? By God. Amen. By God. And it is a glory to her. And if her hair was given to her by God for a covering... It must remain untampered with because it is a symbol of authority and submission that was given to her by who? By God. Amen. Which means, uh, amen, if God gave you that covering and God gave you that veil, it can be six feet long or six inches long, and that's as much as it'll grow, but that's what God predetermined. And you don't tamper with it. You leave it alone because it did not come from man, and it should not be tampered with by man or by woman because it came from We got a hold of the things that came from God, and everybody said amen. Which means we don't cut it, we don't paint it, we don't, we don't, well, you know, if God wants you to have a gray veil, have a gray veil. God wants you to have a, <laughs> praise God, I, I just want to throw that out there. If God, if God wants it to be a blonde veil, it's a blonde veil. If it's a black veil, it's a black veil. You let it be what God has predetermined for it to be because God looked at you. And the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's this modern society that is making money off of people that, that, that didn't realize that in their very nature God made them beautiful. And now they're saying you got to change this and you got to change that. And you got to trim this and you got to trim that. And you got to dye this and you got to dye that. You got to paint this and you got to paint that just so you can be beautiful. But let me just say this. When God created you, he already created you beautifully and wonderfully made. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm almost done. I got one more point, but let's pray right now.
Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. It's a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of submission. God, my life is submitted to you. God, this is the veil you gave me. And since it's not proper for me to pray with this, without this veil covering me, I'm going to have this veil covering me. Not a man-made veil, but a God-given veil. And it's a glory. It's not a, it's not a problem. It's not something I have to be ashamed of. It's glory. Don't be ashamed. Ladies, let me just talk to the ladies for a moment. Don't take the tuck head. When you walk around the mall, I'm apostolic. Shh. Ladies, be apostolic. Ain't nothing wrong with that. When I walked to church, it was one of the first things I noticed. And I thought, how beautiful. How incredible. Wow. Look at all this long hair. I didn't even understand that it was a biblical principle and a natural law. Amen. Let's go to verse 10. This is my final point for tonight. Because this is a symbol of authority. But I want to tell you what that symbol of authority does for you. For this cause ought the woman to have power. All the ladies say power. Say it again, power. Say it with power. Power on her head because of the angels. ESV. That is why a woman ought to have a symbol of authority. That word power can mean authority as well on her head because of the angels. We don't have time tonight to delve into this. It is a subject that we would never, ever, ever plumb the depths of. But she has authority on her head because of the angels. The man and the woman is God's ideal of establishing the kingdom of God on earth for the sake of dominion. The woman is the matrix and the medium in which mankind comes through to gain and to propagate dominion on earth. We see the consequences of mankind's sin. Amen. That that there now had to be a, a there now had to be the authority structure that we talked about today. That the man should be in charge at this point because Satan had deceived Eve. This is why. Ladies, we have to have a symbol of authority because it is letting all of hell know that I am under authority. It is letting all of hell know that I am in submission. Amen. It is letting all of hell know. It is letting every angelic, both good or evil, know. Amen. That I am under authority. And if you are under authority, I want to give you good news here tonight. If you are under authority, you have authority. Somebody ought to give God praise. If you are under authority, God will give you authority. But God never gives authority to anybody that is not first under authority. God never gives power to anybody that's not first submitted. And it might be inconvenient at times. But what you're saying is, this is a glory to me. It might have trouble at times. But what you're saying is, this is my symbol that I am submitted. This is my symbol that I have power on my head. And all the Spirit realm can know and I don't care who knows it I want them to know that you're not messing with just anybody but you are messing with an individual a woman of God that has power on their head because of the angels somebody clap your hands and give God praise let's stand across the building come on let's stand lift up our hands Hallelujah. You might just think it's, well, I just got to get up and do my hair. I want to tell you, there's much more going on there. It is a representation, amen, to the invisible realm. It is a visible representation to the invisible realm that you are living in authority, that you are living in power. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, that's it. It's a promise that God gave to women that he didn't give to men. Amen. He, he gave women a promise that they would have some power, but they've got to have the symbol of authority in their life. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray all across the building. We got some ladies with power in this house. 
We've got men that are submitted as well. They said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do what has been taught here today. Amen. There's, there's power in your submission as well. But I want to talk to some ladies. There's power. Amen. It, it might seem a little hard at times. There might be some inconvenient moments. Uh, amen. But I want to tell you, you got power, and all of heaven is watching you. I want to tell you this. All of heaven's watching you, and so is hell. The serpent came to Eve. And I am convinced the serpent still comes to Eve. But you can, you can present a symbol that says, I'm not available. I don't want to attract that unwanted attention. But I want to attract heaven by my submission. Because the Bible says all authorities of God. The devil got kicked out of heaven because he would not submit to authority. And you know who the devil's most attracted to? People that won't submit to authority. They are friends. But when somebody puts forth a symbol, I have the revelation of the Word of God, of natural laws. I'm going to do what the Word of God says, and I'm going to submit myself under the headship of Jesus, of His church, of the man of God in my life, whether it be a husband, a father, whoever it is. You have power. Well, I don't know about that preacher. I don't think that's possible to have power because of hair. You ever read the story of Samson? You know what made him powerful? Is he didn't cut his hair. Now again, this wasn't an Absalom situation where he was doing it out of rebellion. He was doing it out of submission to authority. And this guy ripped gates off of walls. He tied up 300 foxes and set their tails on fire. This dude was bad. He slew a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. He could not be bound by chains or fetters. And nobody knew why. I, I don't think he was necessarily buff like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like Brother Johnson here. Probably looked a little more like me. Nobody knew the secret of his power. But it was in the seven locks on his head that he had never trimmed, never burned off, never cut, never died. And he had power. How hard is it to believe that scripture but then not believe this one? What is possible for ladies that get this revelation and they start praying heaven down and the gates of hell shall not prevail come on somebody against a woman that's praying devil you can't have my kids you can't have my family you can't have my church I'll tell you why I've got a symbol of authority right here when the devil comes in and like a fox, he's trying to spoil the vine of your family and you hit your knees and you can say, angels, I want you to see this. Amen. Devil, I want you to see this as well. I got power on my head. I got power on my head. And I've got a symbol of authority in my life. I want us to pray all across the building. I want us to pray. Amen. There's power. Amen. There's power when you submit yourself to biblical guidelines and biblical doctrines such as I'm talking about tonight. Amen. I want you to know that there is, there is such power in this house. Amen. You want to know why this church has power? I'll tell you why. Because we've got some symbols of authority in the house. Amen. I want to tell you why this church has been experiencing revival. Because we've got symbols of authority in the house everything everything is a uh, everything's a principle and an idea until it's put into practice right an equation doesn't work until you take it all the way and you prove it right and I've heard my whole life that it's because of these things we have power. 
and we have revival and we have growth. And it's a great idea and it sometimes sounds good but I had to put it for practice for myself to find out and what God has been doing around the church in the last few months is proving the equation. People we never even talked to or invited are walking into the church. You mark it down. Before every great move of God, amen, whether it be talking about Moses or talking about Joshua or talking about the nation of Israel, the first thing God said was sanctify the people. Church, we're getting ready for the overflow, but it starts right here. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout and give God praise for a moment. Hallelujah. What are we doing? We are preparing ourselves and we are sanctifying ourselves. So when God wants to do a work, the atmosphere is ready for the buds, the blossoms, and the almonds. The atmosphere is ready for whosoever will. Now tonight, we're going to pray. But there are some people that you've been practicing it for a long time, but you've not been enacting the power behind it. I want to open up this altar here today. And I want you to bring with you a prayer request in your mind. I want you to bring with you some things you need God to do. And I want you to bring it down to this altar. I want you to lift up your hands. This is for both men and ladies. I want everybody to come down to the front. And I want you to lift up your hands and say, God, we are, we are submitted to your word. We are submitted to your ways. And we are submitted to your ideals, Jesus. And God, I've got a prayer request. Ladies, I want you to pray right now. Amen. Especially the ladies. Maybe there's some things you need God to do. I want you to put it into practice right now and pray and say, I want all the heaven to watch me right now. I want all of heaven to hear me right now. Messaging, messenger angels, amen, ministering spirits, as the Bible would say, to hear and to watch and to observe. I'm praying, and I need God to answer. I need God to intervene. If you don't have a prayer request for your family or for yourself, I want you to come. Amen. Maybe it's for your kids. Maybe it's for your grandkids. I want you to pray and say, God, I've got a symbol of authority, and God, I am praying claiming, amen, I'm submitted to the word of God. I'm submitted to the men of God of my life. And I'm submitted, Jesus, to your church and to your kingdom. And God, I'm praying right now that you would answer my prayers. I'm praying right now, God, that you would perform my requests. God, would you save my lost loved one? Would you heal their body? Would you bring them back to church? I want you to pray right now. There's power. There's power. You have power, the Bible says. You have power. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, my power comes from my symbol of authority. I'm under authority. Come on, pray right now. You know exactly what you need God to do. I want you to pray. Maybe it's for your marriage. Maybe it's for your children or grandchildren. Maybe it's just for the church as a whole. Or maybe it's somebody in the church you want God to touch. I believe you got power. You got power. When you get your life in order, when you get your, 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 your family in order, and you say, God, we're living with that symbol of authority, and we're living under authority, you got power. God sent revival. God sent revival. God heal people in this church. God deliver people in this church. God put marriages back together in this church. Hallelujah.
Come on, you feel the power in the house. Come on, do you feel the power in the house? Come on, let's pray. There's power in this house. There's power in this house. 